Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Propane Fitness Podcast. So I'm here today with Yusuf as always. Do you want to say hi, Yusuf? Hi, Yusuf. <laughs> so I'm hilarious. <laughs> so before we get started, um, we just want to make everybody aware of the resources we have available on the website. So we have the Propane Protocol. For those of you who haven't heard about it um, and have been living under a rock, we offer free nutritional starting point, some macros, micronutritional guidelines, and a training program, as well as a 10-week email habit-based coaching course. Um, if you're interested in that, if you go on to propanefitness.com, there's a big red button in the middle of the page you can't miss that says click here to begin, and there's a calculator at the bottom of that page to get started. So that is all free. You get your uh, personalized macros and training plan, and you'll also get exclusive discounts and access to you know sort of first first come access to any of our new launches and uh, products and stuff like that so well worth it lots of tips and um, we're always available on the other end of a phone or email if you ever need a chat if propane fitness was a nightclub that's the the vip room with the special wristbands so that's where everybody wants to be precisely so okay <laughs> this this week we've been we actually asked you guys um what you want us to to cover as always and uh this week it is skinny fat and natty or not so <laughs> we're going to cover those two topics in that order so first of all skinny fat is a term used for someone who is both fat and skinny at the same time so <laughs> sounds like an oxymoron but um what that is is someone who has a bit of kind of a bit of chub in the wrong areas but not much lean body mass and uh they've asked what to do as a starting point if that's your if that's your current state of play so i think it's actually the the stereotype at least for for guys um a skinny fat physique is is where most people start off if they've never set foot in a gym or monitored their nutrition in any way um Think of it as being a um, quite a high body fat percentage, but the, the body fat percentage is skewed because their body weight is quite light. They're not carrying much muscle mass. So I think there's, there's a few ways to go about approaching it, but our typical model when we're working with clients would be to get them as lean as possible, which is what Yusuf discussed in a video uh, launched today, actually, that you should get lean once and for all before seeking slow and steady mass gain. Um, I think the problem with that in this instance, while it would still work, is that initially you'd go through a period of time where you actually probably experience negative returns on your effort. So if you are skinny because of your lack of muscle mass, but you're, you're fat because you have a relatively high body fat percentage, um, losing fat will, will just yield this, this look that no one really wants, for, especially for a guy, um, which would be skinny with, with no underlying shape. So... I suppose, in my opinion, that the, the better way to approach this particular situation would be to have your calories at around maintenance, um, simply because, well, well, firstly, people in this situation probably aren't cognizant of their calorie intake, so that would be step number one, gaining a, an awareness of nu your, your nutrition and increasing your protein intake as a proportion of that calorie amount, and then just engaging in some um, regular, consistent strength training with a with a progressive overload direction. Um, 
Sounds a lot like the propane protocol, actually, now that I think about it. But, uh... Ironically, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the, the exactly it. So, um, oftentimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. And uh, the, the standard advice that we do give is if you're not sure, um, then cut first, get as lean as you can do so that the little voice in your head isn't saying um, that you should be leaner while you're eating a surplus and then take it from there and focus on mass and strength after that but the in the case of the skinny fat person um, sometimes they will have been cutting for a while and they've still got some fat around their abdomen that just isn't shifting or um, maybe some slight man boob or woman boob um, and so the solution at that point is just to decide at a certain point to call it a day with cutting and often uh, increasing calories and training harder will be all that's needed to actually get rid of that final bits of fat and you know we could attempt to throw around different kind of hormonal explanations for that and the fact that things are rebalancing and therefore um, you know your your actual your body fat percentages is, is clearing up or the distribution of your body fat but whatever the mechanism um, that's it's going to improve you aesthetically so um, usually with men you find that they'll be looking worse in a t-shirt for a while before it starts to improve um, but I think the thing not to do is to just start eating a, a large surplus from the from the get-go yeah agreed I mean uh, if you're skinny fat and you try to correct that problem by eating a massive surplus you're going to gain muscle mass at the, the fixed rate that your, that your physiology will allow and gain fat mass at an, an unlimited rate within within reason obviously um, so yeah I suppose the kind of step number one would be figure out roughly what you're eating now so as we always suggest tracking your nutrition through some means um, whether that be my fitness pal or MyNet Diary, the Photocracy app, whatever whatever you choose, gaining an awareness of where your calories currently are, and then gaining an awareness of what your body weight is doing with that current calorie intake. So tracking your body weight and tracking your, your nutrition um, are paramount. And that is where we find through most initial inquiries with clients, if they are unhappy with their current position or unhappy with their rate of progress, typically they are omitting the, the basics from what they're tracking they're tracking things like rest periods or how many meals they eat per day rather than than the kind of the basic underlying ideas so body weight and the rate of body weight change total nutrition and and the proportion of that nutrition coming from protein in particular and then looking to augment those variables over time so perhaps keeping your calories the same but dropping carbs and fat and increasing protein um, and then becoming more consistent with your training so tracking training, aiming for more reps, sets, total load um, over time. And it's just a case of persistence at that point. If you're on the right track and things are moving in the right direction, then it's just a case of time and an effort applied consistently. So I think that approach is actually uh, not what's generally done by someone who's skinny fat. And it's, it's very easy to, especially if you're in that position, to get hung up on um, on looking like that and the final you know the, the those extra bits of fat and to try and chase them um, and I think the typical approach that we see um, especially when people come to work with us and they, they say they've been struggling with that body type for a while is that they've just started doing 
endless amounts of cardio and um, just you know vastly underfeeding. And what happens is uh, you know they they're going to reach a point where they're just losing muscle. They're maybe losing a bit of fat along the way, but they're not really getting significantly leaner. And if anything, they're just looking kind of smaller and more androgynous. So um, one thing that uh, this was an old friend of mine in Edinburgh who just sent me a text the other day um, of something that he didn't consider to be very profound, but um, for me it, it blew my mind. So I'm gonna um, I'm writing an article on this soon. But he deadlifts 200 kilos for 12 at 80 kilos, can do 35 pull-ups in a row, and uh, he's pretty lean while we're at it. And uh, he said that his dieting approach is, I don't count macros, I just fast for two to three days per week, as in under 500 calories for that day, and then I eat what I want for the rest of the week. Um, and if I don't drink and show a reasonable level of restraint, it works fine. So in terms of tracking, it's not necessary to go um, super overboard on the accuracy, as long as there is some decent amount of um, of control with with the calories on on the weekly average and also that they're not too low and that you're getting the training volume in sufficient protein and that we're not just chasing our tails by doing lots of cardio and ignoring the the key factor which is the muscle mass yeah so the back to Yusuf's point on the tracking um, the purpose of tracking your nutritional intake is not necessarily because these specific numbers matter it's simply that we are gaining an awareness of firstly how much we're eating and then secondly how much we eat, we eat on a relative basis so if you have a day where your calories are higher um, but your kind of hunger signals are the same you might not know that unless you're tracking your food so if one day you eat fat dense calorie fat dense foods and the day before that you eat carb dense foods inherently your fat dense day <laughs> um, would be would be a higher calorie intake, and without an awareness of that, and without an awareness of what what's in f- different foods and how many calories are in different foods, it's hard to to get a grasp on on where you're going wrong. Um, being skinny fat is just a, a kind of a catch-all term to describe somebody who hasn't yet developed the muscle mass to look how they want with that level of fat. You know, I think a lot of people would probably accept quite a high level of body fat if they felt like their muscle mass was was of a reasonable level. So the thing that we're really looking to address here um, is getting us into a position where we're generating um, progress from from the effort we're putting in. We're not just spinning our wheels with minutia. So um, it does, again, as we say, come back to the, the basics, the, the simple principles. And that's often when, when people are going wrong, nine times out of ten, it's because those simple principles aren't being obeyed um, in favor of something more complicated like a masking powder or whatever it might be. So follow something really simple in the gym, like five by five strong lifts, um, or the program we give you with the ProPin protocol, and aim to increase one variable in the gym per week. So more reps, more sets, more more weight, and then stick with that. Do it for a year. Come back, review your progress, and see see what you need to change from then. So that's that's always going to be the approach for training, regardless of where on the skinny fat spectrum you are. And uh, in terms of kind of applicable where to go from here is um, just kind of assess if you, have you been dieting for a long time and you've still not managed to get to the level of leanness that you want to or you know you're getting stubborn areas if that's the case then stop dieting stop doing cardio switch on to the 
um, you know, like a 5 by 5 progression or something like that, and take it from there. Gradually increase your calories and your protein, wait for a year or two, it might even clear up on its own, but um, if it doesn't then once you've gained a significant amount of muscle mass then you can cut again and you'll end up looking a lot better. If you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're still you're skinny fat but you're more fat than skinny <laughs> then uh, <laughs> then yeah do spend some time dieting down but um, don't get caught into this spiral and at a certain point in the diet just call it a day and say right now I'm gonna focus on mass gain for a while even if you're not as lean as uh, as you'd like to be. Yeah, I think I think we've covered it really. Cool. So hope that yeah. was useful. Um, the other topic was nutty or not. So this was someone asking for our opinion on ethics in the fitness industry. So people who claim that they're natural and drug free um, and aren't and kind of set these unrealistic targets uh, or uh, sort of these these physiques that they post on Instagram or whatever that aren't achievable naturally and uh, they kind of hide or obfuscate the idea that, that they are on drugs. Just to um, preface, me and Johnny are both lifetime drug free. Um, we don't really shout about it a lot just because like, I feel like it's kind of obvious. Um, well maybe, I don't know, we, we get accused of, of drugs occasionally but um, you know we both compete in drug tested federations and we don't really see the the appeal for ourselves um but yeah what are your thoughts Johnny? i suppose i suppose we could we could do an entire topic on why we don't think it's worth it i think that's actually a, a very there's a lot more aspects to that decision than i think a lot of people give, give consideration to but um in terms yeah in terms of ethics i don't really have an issue with somebody taking drugs to be honest and unless there are well two two scenarios in which i do have an issue one is competing in a drugs tested sport while taking drugs. I just I don't see the point of that at all. Um, whether that's at Olympic level, your local badminton competition or like powerlifting or, or whatever it might be. If you are um pretending to be unassisted and, and taking testosterone or, or sports performance enhancing drugs in order to win, firstly I think that'd be a pretty empty victory. And secondly, um you're just defrauding the whole process for everybody else. And then the second one would be people who use their progress or use their um, current standpoint um, to generate traction in the fitness industry from a, from a coaching or a knowledge point of view. Um, I don't think that steroids and performance enhancing drugs necessarily mean that you don't need to understand what you're doing or you don't need to try hard, but they certainly magnify and accelerate any progress um, you could ever make beyond what is capable naturally. And so if somebody is claiming to have the latest and greatest muscle building routine and is using their own physique as, a, as an advert, then that again is is an unethical thing to claim, especially when they're, say, they're saying that the program or the supplement or whatever it might be is the reason that they are the way that they are. Um, when you look at it and it's kind of Dexter Jackson arguing that, um, probably shouldn't name names, Darren Johnson, is <laughs> claiming that uh, muscle techno is the reason that um, that he's the, he's the size that he is, um, when clearly it's 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 not that it's the uh, the creatine. Yeah, um, I, I, 
totally agree with that. There's nothing that I could really add. You know, there's there's the the three kinds of people. Um, uh, you know, the the ones that are really pushing lifetime drug free, or or may even hashtag the words lifetime drug free athlete on every one of their Instagram posts and and Twitter. You know, just hypothetically, if someone were to do that, um, that's uh, that that's dishonest because yeah, they're they're <laughs> they're boosting their own credibility by preying on people who haven't really got a reference point for what is achievable naturally and therefore um, as, as Johnny said you know you're allowing it, it, steroids won't do all the work for someone but they will allow them to get away with a lot more training mistakes and uh, often it's used with some people that we've seen to kind of offset a bad lifestyle and still make progress and if that person is trying to be a bastion of um, of health or of um, getting lean and muscular naturally and people are paying the money for that, for them not to have full disclosure and to say that that's what they're doing um, and that they do have an unfair advantage and therefore the results that they uh, that the clients would achieve would not match up to, to that person without the drugs that's, uh, that's not fair on anyone really and you could go as far as to say that it's it's kind of scamming people um, there's the there, other thing, which is that um, in the U.S., it seems to be seems to be a lot of trigger happy doctors that are happy to put people on TRT, <coughs> which is um, testosterone replacement therapy. Um, so yeah, that, that's quite fashionable at the moment, and uh, you know, a lot of people just going to a doctor and and saying that now testosterone replacement therapy is just steroids prescribed by a doctor, um, and you'll have people that claim natural, but then claim that because of their medical condition. Um, which is borderline, or, or yeah, quite <laughs> dubious. Um, that that allows them to still hold that natural label while taking steroids, effectively. So that's the butter and the coffee, rather than the. Uh, that's what, I yeah. can't think who would do that though. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, ethically, I mean, it doesn't. If somebody is is, uh, I can give a few examples. I'm I'm not going to name names of people who decided to take steroids at a time where they were clearly at the top of their natural potential, um, strength-wise or physique-wise, and then used steroids in a very, or at least the way it seemed anyway, through through the internet. Um, they seemed to kind of give it some consideration and use steroids to further their, their progress and further their development. Um, and I think that's a very different thing. Somebody who is kind of consciously deciding, you know, I'm going to make this decision now and I'm going to go and compete against other guys who aren't tested in Mr. Olympia or um, untested powerlifting federations, for example. In a way, th that has to be admired because I think those guys are pushing pushing the envelope of what's possible in either strength or physique development. You know, I'd never criticize Phil Heath for taking drugs because it is quite obvious that everybody he's competing against is using anything and everything that they can get their hands on to beat him. Um, and the fact that he's able to still win and still compete consistently at that level with there being no ceiling on what is possible. It's just who can take the most drugs and who can train the hardest, as well as some other things. Um, then, yeah, I think that's really impressive. And, and the powerlifters, the guys who are... Um, you know, in the like the GPC, for example, squatting with knee wraps, and it, it's untested. The likes of uh, 
you know, Eric Lillybridge and Dan Green, the guys that are moving the serious amounts of weight, amounts of weight. I think again, that's that's impressive, and I don't I don't ever hear either of those two claiming to be natural or drug-free athletes. Um, they also don't shout about the fact that they might not be, but they, there seems to be no false pretense there. Um, they are trying to break world records, and they're going to do what what is needed to do that. It's almost silly. Um, to assume that they're not, and I think that's the that's the critical difference. Whereas mm-hmm. rubbing it in someone's face and saying, "Look, I'm drug free," when when they're clearly not, and but then again, you know that's that's something that if you've been following fitness stuff or, or if you've been training for a while, uh, you know you you've been training for four or five years, and you're going to have a very clear view of what is achievable naturally just because of what you've achieved yourself, um, and you'll know that you know even if you were to be getting slightly better results than you have through better consistency or whatever and then you see some people who are just worlds above what you know where you're at and you're thinking like is that all down to their creatine and their their consistency and butter in their <laughs> coffee or is it something else so so johnny what what do you think um are some like let's say you've got someone who's relatively new and wants to find a coach or someone to follow and someone to to emulate online uh, what are some of the telltale signs that um, someone might not be natural and uh, you know and and th- this isn't this isn't about just to clarify it's not about sort of calling people out and 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 berating them for it but it it's really that um, if you're looking for someone to follow and so you want to make progress yourself and you accidentally kind of find someone who um, really has just got to where they are through drugs then they're not going to be the best person to follow and then they're going to be wasting your time and maybe even wasting your money so yeah what do you think are some of the telltale signs um i think it can be quite hard unless somebody is obviously not natural so unless they look like jay cutler for example uh, and i'm not saying jay cutler's not natural um, but yeah, unless it's unless it's really obvious, it can be quite difficult to tell visually, especially through the like the portal of the internet. Um, however, if if you're looking particularly for a coach, um, I think it does come down to. And I wrote an article on this actually. It comes down to questioning them. So if if they're making claims um, of I can't X Y Z or um, I achieved this these results in this amount of time, if it seems like it is. Um, if it seems ambitious, what they're claiming, I think it's you're within your rights to, to question the validity of the statements they're making. Um, typically, the strongest relationship you would see um, to indicate whether somebody is natural or not is if they have a, a, a significantly above average level of muscle mass, but a below average level of strength. Um, it's pretty rare, and this is a really sweeping generalization, but it is pretty rare that you see somebody who is a natural athlete of any of any kind um, who is not moving pretty serious amounts of weight in the gym um, if you look at the the top proposedly natural bodybuilders in the US so Alberto Nunez is a great example Brian Whitaker uh, any of these guys most of them are pulling 500 pounds 600 pounds plus squatting mid mid 400s benching mid 300s um, and also as a as a bit of a side while competing like the USAPL nationals when when they're not competing in bodybuilding so you don't see very many of them that are doing like cable kills for sets of 25 just to get a pump and uh, using the 
the 12 kilo dumbbells pec flies um they've accumulated that level of muscle mass by adding volume and tonnage over time um so and you're not going to see a lot of random variety in yeah. uh, in their training it's going to be very specifically programmed and yeah uh, it, it's squat bench deadlift variations thereof maybe a barbell row a chin and they're all they're always pretty proficient pretty technically accurate um and pretty strong um that would be and obviously there's no evidence that any of those guys aren't aren't taking something but um i think if you're watching somebody in the, if you, if you, if there's a coach that is claiming to be natural but they are seriously heavily muscled and struggle to squat 140 that would be there'd be alarm bells for me for sure especially yeah. um you know another sign at least that i've seen is um someone who is heavily muscled shredded year round but appears to be consistently making progress particularly in um gaining size while staying um you know 7% body fat or so that's yeah. that's really very unusual um a lot of the the kind of um yeah the top natural guys will they're not going to go through bulk and cut cycles but they they won't be able to um maintain close to stage condition unless their last name is Nunez um and you know <laughs> <laughs> and that that's that's arguably because he's got quite a kind of freak metabolism if he goes below 400 grams of carbs then he's um he feels wiped out but he's also i think all these guys are pretty if you would ask them questions about their their program they're pretty detail oriented type a type person like personalities they are immersed in the details of what they're doing um i remember a, a quote from ryan doris who is a and i'll this isn't this is paraphrased that this isn't a word for word quote but he's another really highly competitive powerlifter and a natural body in america and he said that the thing that is that is telling of somebody who is going to succeed in in these sports without the use of drugs somebody who is um completely immersed in in the details of the sport that they're doing and they've almost removed themselves from the results um you know they don't care if they achieve the highest level they don't care if they squat a certain number um, they're just focused on improving their technique or improving their consistency and uh and they love the, the daily process of it um but if somebody is carrying say 200 pounds of lean mass um at state in stage lean um but can't really tell you how much protein they eat and they think it's all because they use a cla supplement again alarm bells for me so, so would, it comes down to you know the fact that the drugs will allow you to make a lot more mistakes with your diet and your training and get away mm -hmm. with it and still manage to achieve the same kind of results that someone who is very has all those things nailed down will just because of the relative um contribution that drugs would provide as a as a percentage compared to you know dietary consistency and training progression it's kind of the analogy of and this is quite maybe a blunt analogy but somebody winning a large sum of money versus somebody earning the same amount of money if you were to ask that both of those people about financial management chances are the person who has started from zero and, and accumulated the money themselves would have some more informed ideas and understand the detail more of, than somebody who has just arrived at that sum of money through um through less effort i suppose um so uh, in order to achieve the level of development that starts to make people question whether you're natural or not you have to have spent a decent amount of time under a barbell for, for a start and also learning about what to and what 
not to do. Um, and you should be able to demonstrate that verbally and physically to somebody when, when asked. There's also the standard formula that I think Martin Burkhan and Lyle McDonald use quite a bit. So the formula is your height in centimetres, subtract 100 from that. So for example, uh, I am 78 kilos at 175 centimetres, so 175 minus 100 you get 75 and then 75 kilos is your maximum rate or like the approximate rate of uh, not rate level of uh, level rate <laughs> <laughs> that's not right amount weight number <laughs> weight that's it that's the one 75 kilos is the weight that um, you could be at stage lean naturally and that's the maximum that that you could achieve and if someone if you see someone who deviates too much from that then um, they're either an extreme outlier or something naughty is going on. <laughs> but I think Johnny's analogy of someone who inherits a large amount of money compared to someone who's accumulated it, someone who's accumulated it has got there as a result of their consistent behaviours and attitudes towards money and their habits and um, you know their, their competence in a way. And someone who get, receives a large windfall isn't going to have those structures in place in their behavior to be able to manage it and so you'll be you'll see clues in that and you know and, and it's there's the stereotype of the guy who wins the lottery and goes out and buys a ferrari because he's got two million pounds but two million pounds isn't actually enough to sustain um the cost of <laughs> the cost of upkeep for a ferrari um so the guy who has earned two million through you know uh, building a construction business or something is going to probably be a lot more careful with his money and and that's the same approach that you would see with someone who's achieved their their gains through meticulous consistency compared to someone who who's effectively received a windfall the people who you do need to watch out for are the ones who were great natural li lifters to start with uh, maybe have some kind of genetic freakiness as well and then start taking drugs because uh, they're going to be the the world record holders and the the truly dangerous guys and you you'll be able to spot them quite clearly because uh you'll see someone who's already got huge lifts um and is you know con consistent with everything and as johnny said you know very very meticulous with the approach towards technique um and the other details and then you might see them have a spike in their in their progress and they might suddenly move up a weight category or something and that's when they've likely started on drugs and if that's the case then fair play to them because they've they've kind of earned their right to to do that I, I don't think it means as well that just because somebody is on drugs that they are incapable of coaching somebody who isn't um, I just think there's a there's inherently a different mindset at play um, when somebody is willing to take drugs for for the sake of physical or, or physical development or performance and somebody who isn't um, it's just a different set of goals and a different set of um, principles that need to be used in each in each position. Um, I think in, in general, what I what I always look for when when taking advice from anybody in the fitness industry is firstly evidence of track record, so evidence that they've that they've done what they're talking about, and that um, if they're talking about getting lean, that they've actually been there, or if they if they talk about getting strong, that that they're not just squatting 140 for a few reps and and think that that's something to be impressed by um, and I think as well being being able to admit that along the way 
they made incorrect decisions and they they made mistakes learn from it and then have the reason that they are where they are is because of their mistakes rather than because of their correct decisions um because ultimately very very few people um begin a fitness journey with all the information they have to acquire the information and while it's available for free typically on the internet the best way to acquire this you know the the, the set of best practices is is through people who have tried out most things found out the errors in various protocols and various methods and then refined things in a way that um, allows them to work for real people in the real world um, and I think somebody who is kind of living the 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 life of an athlete um, and using steroids full time is maybe not um, catering for somebody who is the average 9 to 5 person um, training a few times a week cool so that's the two answers for this week two questions answered and uh, let us know if you have any other questions in the comments on Facebook or via email at admin at propanefitness.com we've also just launched um, Team Propane which is a group coaching setup and uh, what it is is a, a, a carefully selected group of people that um, are accountable to each other we we have a weekly Google Hangout, which is um, a, a chat with everyone that's going to last 60 to 90 minutes, and you'll get your training blocks sent to you every week. Um, so everyone will be um, on the same on the same program, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's a great opportunity for um, effectively coaching in a group environment. And Johnny, do you want to say more about that? <laughs> <laughs> in fact um, that, that was a crap pitch I'll just edit that bit out alright okay do you want me to say and where join and one more thing sure and one one last thing as well this week um, starting tomorrow actually we're, we're launching Team Propane um, which is I suppose our attempt at literally building a team you know we it's going to be a, a coaching environment but but several people coached at once by us and both of us coaching um, the team together. There'll be private Facebook group to ask questions. There is a weekly video call with myself and Yusuf. Um, and we're going to run run people through our latest iteration of, of the strength training program that we've used ourselves and we use with clients. Um, <clears throat> we think typically that, well, we've seen pretty consistently across the board people adding strength with, with this setup. Um, and it is, it's a it's a, it's a version of periodization. There's not necessarily anything fancy or complicated about it, but we think the thing that, that adds the adds the spice to the mix, as it were, is is being in a competitive environment. I think for most people, ourselves included, when you're just kind of training by yourself after work or after uni, it can be hard to to find that that extra drive and that extra motivation that um, if you skip the gym and you've just got yourself to answer to, um, it can be easy to to kind of slip up. But if you if you're with four or five other people all doing the same process and you know you're going to be held account accountable to them um, it can really help with motivation um, so yeah that's Team Propane that's that's launched this week um, if you're interested in getting a spot in one of our subsequent runs of that um, again email us um, admin at propanefitness.com um, and we'll get you sorted out